0: Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, that's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat.fm to get started.
1: Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And Jack, this is take two. We're going to start the same way. I think eventually we're going to need a new name for our uh, our gig here.
0: Yeah, let's see if I can remember what I said in the first take. Um, yeah, I can't remember that. We do need a name change, though. Um, I was trying to think of something last night when we were texting about it, and I just could not think of any funny puns. We don't really want JMU in the name anymore, and we're not Probably really news. good.
1: Yeah, we're not really news. The newsletter has been on hiatus for probably well over a year. <laughs> I got to bring that back at some point in a very short format. We're also super close to the G&U Sports Blog, guys. Love them. Don't want to step on the toes too much. So eventually, I think a name change is it, probably in the cards, especially if we want to do merch. Definitely don't want Jamie in the name. It's it's
0: funny because we started off as Jamie Sports Newsletter, and yes. that left, and then we but. While that was still going on, we kind of changed to JMU Sports News. And now since kind of the pandemic hit, and even a little bit before the pandemic, we changed from JMU Sports News to more so the JMU Sports Podcast.
1: Yeah, it's it's all interesting. And neither of us have the time to, like, write up news. Like, yeah. we're not doing game recaps. Yeah, we're, we're not, not doing, doing brief. We're not doing daily briefs of the breakdown. We do not have that amount of time since this is not a full-time gig. So we'll try to think of something eventually might have a change in the card at some point in 2021 we shall see yes
0: indeed indubitably i have a question for you yes you're on probably hour 14 of vacation but this isn't a vacation question i don't know how i was going to segue that here's a question we're about it's nine months late to this when you're in a press conference on zoom are you wearing like a full outfit or are you wearing like
1: gym shorts and then like a nice. <laughs> so it's, they let you now in person to some of it. So some of them are zoom press conferences in person, which of course I'm, you know, wearing the khakis and a polo or whatever, yeah, of course. <laughs> but when it's in my apartment and it's like a middle of the week press conference, which is typically just football or a road game. So if you're talking to Tony Bennett on a road game, it's, um it's almost always sort of, the bottom is fun. I mean, I'll even go because other people will do it. I'll do. I mean, I've seen people in the Virginia ones have had uh, like sleeveless shirts. So I'll do it like a t-shirt like this sometimes because it's not horribly unprofessional. Like I'm just rocking like <laughs> athletic garb, man. Nobody cares, so it's uh, it works out. Is this your Zoom background for press conferences, what we're seeing now? Yeah, it's disappointing. It's not great, but I really have almost no other
0: options. Come on, you're not, you got to get the exposed brick with two lights behind you and then a nice little ring light in front. You got to really come, step up your Zoom <laughs> background. I'll here. come visit you every time I have a,
1: a Zoom presser. I'll drive to Hoboken. Okay, perfect. I think it's just uh, I think it's just six hours from Charlottesville. It's a perfect commute. Yeah, I'll leave it at like 3 a.m. To, to get there for a 9 a.m. present. No, but it's uh, it works. You know, I actually kind of dig the Zoom a little bit. I think for post-game, it, it would be nice to be near the person, but like not having to drive 15 minutes to go talk to Bronco Mendenhall. Oh, that, like those 15 minutes are killer, man. It's just like an unnecessary – you leave at 1130 basically for like a noon thing, get there early, and then you're there writing. We're supposed to hear you get on 1155. You do it, and you're done. It's it's kind of nice in that regard.
0: Yeah, I feel that. That was like the O'Neill's press conference. Back yes. when I had to cover those for the breeze. Very similar. It was like having to leave Mason parking deck in your prime parking spot that you had to get for your eight AM and then leave it and then try and find parking to come back from yeah, That was a time. That was a time. So yeah, that if I had if, if Zoom, if I had Zoom. Fun fact about those O'Neills press conferences with Mike Houston, I asked one question the entire time. Because my job, like my job was, to, like, to kind of be there for, like, any breeze reporter who needed a football question. This is and true. And just to write a recap on the press conference. So I literally just sat there, and I asked one question all all two years I covered it.
1: <laughs> what a
0: thrill. What was your question? It was something about um, – it was my first year there, and it was Khalid Abdullah was just running wild over everyone. And I kind of just asked the question of, like, what do you just – chalk up to Khalid's out, out outbreak of a season. I worded it better than that. A lot better than that. And then Houston with his coach speak was like, no, you, I think we really got to chalk it up the offensive lines playing really. And
1: I was like, I set myself up for that. You really did. What a thrill. The O'Neill's press conferences. They do those virtually now as well. They do. They're enjoyable. I like those. I really miss Roe doing them though. But anyway, <laughs> we
0: won't, we won't. we're going out there and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play basketball and
1: we're gonna see who's gonna win. His passion for JMU and was something you couldn't make up. I mean, they'd be like like nine and fifteen, and he'd be like, "Man, we're, we're close to something special." And it's like, "We're what? almost there." <laughs> You've been saying that for four years, Roe. man anyway. So we got a bunch of good stuff to get into. We're going to get into the basketballs a little bit. Some of the stuff they said, I listened to some of the O'Neill's. I think I listened to Oliver Reagan and like half of Byington before I got distracted yesterday, <laughs> whatever I think it was just eating dinner. Um, and then I never got back to it. This is, <laughs> we're so good at this. Anyway, we've got that. We're going to talk a little bit about football. And uh, you sent a tweet last night that sent some people into a frenzy.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to get to that. But let's start with the yes. article that brought JMUSportsNews.com back into the article <laughs> game after about a two-month hiatus. Hey, hey, I wrote something at the beginning of December. Brought us back from a one-month hiatus. <laughs> JMU, I don't even know what started this discussion. So for me, like why I wrote this? Well... I feel like we were talking about, oh, oh, people were it talking bi- about um, Liberty and Coastal. It was basically just the Liberty and Coastal Bowl game was almost exclusively the reason. <laughs> I have a take on that, on the people comparing it, and I, we'll get into it. But if you just want to kind of give a rundown of what you wrote, why you wrote it, and then we can kind of give our answers and, and, and uh, talk a little bit more about why comparing JMU to Liberty
1: and Coastal season this year is misguided. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's interesting because the conversation is typically like, should JMU go to the FBX, right? Should they move up? And I thought it'd be interesting instead to to get, a, get away from that argument and sort of be, if they did move to a group of five, how many seasons or years, whatever, basically the same thing, would it take for JMU to become a group of five contender, which is kind of vague, and I didn't really make it any less vague in the story. I think I kind of mentioned that the AAC would obviously be harder to win, then the Sun Belt or the what's the other one? Conference USA would be the ones that would make sense. they are not going to the Mountain West, not going to the MAC. We're not going to the Mountain West regionally. Neither of those make sense. So I think it would be going to Maxion. Not that the Sun Belt or Conference USA make that much sense regionally, but, <laughs> but um, those are probably the options. And the ASC is sort of the pipe dream, I think. So I talked about those and how long it would take and what it would do, and I sort of used Liberty, Coastal Carolina, and Appalachian State as the um, I don't know, previous examples of teams that have gone from the FCS somewhat recently and had FBS success. I also mentioned Old Dominion, which left uh, the CAA and has sort of floundered at the FBS level. So there's definitely some ups and downs there. I kind of figured it would take two to three seasons for them to become kind of what Liberty and Coastal yeah. are. I was looking at some of that, too, is the Sagarin ratings. Um, which is and sort of your actually, Sagarian ratings are best friends. and You talk about an extra I in there, but um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I like that, that system. It's not perfect. And you should probably use other metrics too, but it actually ranks JMU right now at seventy eighth, and um, Liberty after a 10 and one season is 79, which I found very interesting. So there's an argument to be made that JMU could move up right now, play the same schedule Liberty did and have been, you know, similar to 10 and one. I'm not, I think they would have beaten Syracuse. Don't know about Virginia tech. Don't know about NC state, but um or coastal, but I think it, it could have been a successful season. If we're being honest, Liberty shouldn't have beaten Virginia Tech.
0: They did play pretty darn well in that game. They did, but that timeout by Fuente, that remember
1: they blocked them. God, that game got me that going. was a mis- that was a mistake. They also they also then had um a blocked field goal against NC State and they lost by one. It was like a 40 yard kick so like realistically could have won that one. Um, they played well all year. They were they were impressive all year long. And uh, the Sagar ratings still have JMU ahead of Liberty, which I found to be interesting. I wonder how that switches
0: when JMU plays a game. If JMU plays a game, like I wonder if they'll fall
1: after playing a couple of cupcakes just because they're cupcakes. I think some of it too was basing it off of where they kind of finished toward the end of of last season. But for comparison, like North Dakota State played one game this year, it was a cupcake game and they're at 52nd. Um, So it takes a lot of last year into account i think north dakota state was was like a ranking behind virginia and they were like a couple rankings behind coastal and stuff like that so yeah i mean i think it's an interesting conversation what would you say in terms of seasons until they became like a you know potential g5 champ so uh, you you tweeted this
0: out uh poll how many seasons would it take jamie at the fbs level to become a top 25 team or group of five league champion and I think there's a lot of facets to that question. Um, Twitter eked out four-plus seasons, 50.3% yeah. of the votes, 147 votes. Um, you can still go, and actually, by the time this post, I don't know if this um, poll will still be live. I think to become a top-25 team, it's going to be four-plus years. But I also think it depends on what group of five they go to. Yes, Like yes. And and that is just, and I know that was kind of your goal with this question, but like CUSA, I think they go in and they can compete for the league title within the first year. CUSA, like people who run through the CUSA aren't
1: always a top 25 ranked team. One of them, so Marshall, but they've got a little bit of a reputation. Marshall was in the top 25 early. They might need, like one season's really hard unless you're in the AAC and you're like already dominating people. So one season doesn't make a ton of sense unless you went to Conference USA and ran the table. And even then, I think you're still battling the perception that you're, you know, like a new team. I think, so I think CUSA, you could be a
0: league champion right off the jump. Sunbelt, maybe, maybe probably two seasons there. I think AAC's where it would be like four plus seasons. Just cause where you are, like you're facing Cincinnati's UCF kind of had a fall-off, but UCF is still really good. Like
1: The top of the AAC is very good. Memphis, Houston, Houston, Tulsa. You mentioned Tulsa, Tulane, Navy's in there. I mean, it's just a good league. It's a very good league.
0: And, I I mean, like you said, it's the dream for all JMU fans. Um, I think, yeah, AAC, it's going to take a while. The top of the league, the whole league top to bottom is very good. CUSA is really bad, and JMU could go in and, and compete. But also CUSA, when you're winning that league, you're not going to the best bowl games. And I'd argue that being in the FCS, you can almost have a better regular season than what you would have in the CUSA. Um, yeah. But with that being said, two to three seasons um, to answer like the broad question of what you asked. But then when you get I, more
1: specifics, four plus. I just thought it was interesting because I imagine at some point there will be some realignment. Matt Brown, who we had on the podcast, uh, I guess a couple of months ago now, Writes extra points. Had an interesting article talking about the, the G5 today in his newsletter where he had mentioned actually that breaking off and doing your own separate playoff probably doesn't make that much sense. Really, because, I just
0: when we were when we started this conversation, I made a facial expression. I don't know if you noticed it. That's what I was
1: thinking. Why yeah. doesn't the G5 do their own fo- college football so playoff? It, he it doesn't make into, sense. That's interesting. He dug into it a little bit with like the TV ratings, and there's a pretty legitimate question. Let's say you're doing that in the fall still. Is anyone watching that over? Like it's proven most of the time that like people will go for the power five games over, you know, a G five matchup. So even if it's a G five championship, you still might have ratings that are subpar and which television company is really going to pay you enough to make sense for this, because for it to really work, you'd probably need the AAC to agree to it. The AAC is knocking on the door of the playoff, especially if it goes to eight. I think the AAC is making a pretty good case that the group of five champion could be one of those spots. I think that's the big argument right now is not whether they're going to get a group of five team into the top four. It's never going to happen in my opinion. Um, oh no, not never. If that I means was probably the best UCF going undefeated for it, two yeah. years.
0: And then since this year, were probably their best bets and they still just got disrespected by the committee.
1: Right. So you're going to need, but if you go to eight and you do a, if they can fight hard enough now and have the group of five champion get an automatic berth, That's kind of what they're fighting for. Cause otherwise you could have all the power fives, which you should just do the group of five or the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is an absolute joke. But anyway, the (laughs) the, Pac-12, let's say it's all the power fives and then you have three at large, there's a really good chance you're still leaving the group of five out. Oh, 100%. So that's kind of the fight I think right now is they're trying to get an automatic spot for the group of five. If that happens, like we can argue that should they or should they not for JMU all day? Yeah, like if you have a chance to potentially one day be the group of five in the playoff, like I think that'd be sick. But anyway... Um, I don't remember what our original argument on this even was now for why I even started going on this tangent. But no, he said that the realignment doesn't make sense for like separating your into your own thing. So that's why I think it's kind of relevant for JMU. Like if you could become Liberty or Coastal Carolina this year in a G five, that's probably your best bet because I'm not sure that the idea everyone has that like, oh, the group of five is going to separate. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if the money is there, especially for the AAC teams. That's a good point And I mean You and me
0: Are probably the only Not only There there are plenty Of people out there But like I'll sit down And watch a Mac game On a Tuesday night Over a Power 5 game um, But also Mac isn't going up Against Power 5 games All that often But Right My problem With this argument And kind of What it all evolved From a couple of days ago On Twitter JMU fans are comparing JMU to Liberty And Coastal this year <clears throat> Excuse me And and saying like, this could be JMU, like, look, Liberty is ranked, Coastal's ranked. And I just kind of, I I hesitate using this season as a comparison because of just the weirdness of it all. Like if this was a real season and the Big Ten played on time and, and all of this other stuff and games weren't getting canceled left and right. And It was just a normal college football season. I'm not saying Liberty isn't ten and one, and I'm not saying Coastal doesn't shock the world, but I don't know if they're getting this much national attention. I don't know if they're getting this high up in the rankings, if that makes sense. Like people are like, Coastal is a is number eleven in the I don't I forgot where they are, but they're number eleven in the latest rankings. That could be JMU if they just moved. Like I don't think that's Coastal. I think Coastal is a top twenty
1: five team, maybe like in the twenties if this was a normal season so here's what i'll say having just looked this up now last year 2019 so normal season you've got one two three four is this right five six <laughs> seven seven i guess seven yes yeah, seven group of five teams in the top 25 at the end of last season okay so that's why I think it's now you've got a pretty good, I guess Air Force, are they Mountain West? So you've yeah. got some some Mountain West bias, maybe you've got AAC with UCF, Cincinnati. They're kind of carrying the way. But like Appalachian State and JMU used to have some battles. Appalachian State finished last year 19th. So I think that you can still have this success. You just have to I think last year they beat North Carolina, Appalachian State in the non-conference slate. So you've got to find these early season games and kind of win them, which is sort of what Liberty did this year. Um, in kind of a different order but I think they still could have had since they're an independent it makes it a little easier but they had those ACC games you go two and one in those with a one point loss to NC State you sort of handle your business and even last year I think the receiving votes you look at North Dakota State received a couple of votes um, because they played really well at the end of last season they got two votes or two points I guess it might just be one vote uh, to get in the top twenty-five, FCS teams can uh, be in the top twenty-five. I should know this as a they can. You just have to be like unbelievable to really get any votes. But it's, I mean, you look at that and some of the other receiving votes. Florida Atlantic was second there, so they were twenty-seventh. Uh, they had a really, yeah, they had a solid season. Um, Louisiana was ranked this year. I think their Sun Belt got a couple of votes or a couple of points last year. So I still think there is that even in a normal season, I think you can be in the top twenty-five if you're a G five as long as you're. Um, I think the MAC isn't great, but if you're Sunbelt, AAC, and even Conference USA, I think you've got an outside chance to be to be ranked. I think Sunbelt and AAC are the best, but I still think they've got it. They could definitely replicate it, I think.
0: Yeah, I my, my hang-up is just using – like, I understand what you're saying, like, back to 2019 when things were normal. Um, I just think it's weird to be like – See, Coastal is a top 10 team. Look, that could be JMU in two to three years. I don't think Coastal – my whole point is I don't think Coastal is a top 10 team.
1: Like You think it was just the situation. But I think my question is who – like what would have changed in a normal season that would have had them not ranked 12th? I just think – Like just the covid wise, I teams, think like the or? way
0: everything shook out, like I just think – it was just so weird across the board that to me, it's hard to to use it as a benchmark, to use it as a, to point to, and I get that group of fives receive votes and they're in the top 25 and everything. It's just like, I don't know if coastal gets the same opportunities they got this year. Will, would coastal have played a top tier BYU team and then gotten on national TV and, and had and been the talk of the nation in college football for a full week. Like, I don't think that happens. I think they're playing more Sun Belt, and who knows what happens. I just think it's it's all yeah. the way the chips fell, everything happened, and the Big Ten didn't start until later on in the season. So there's more spotlight on these group of fives and smaller schools. Granted, I love that they they did well, and I do think JMU in two to three years could kind of have some success, but. I'd much rather – actually, I won't get into what I'd much rather happen because it it makes no sense. But that's just my point on it. Um, But I do think they could, within two to
1: three years, become a solid group of five team, like a UAB type. I think there's still potential for a Coastal – like they got some attention before BYU. It wasn't quite the same. But they got some before – and they were actually scheduled to play Liberty that week. Yeah and the game was canceled. So that was a game that still would have been a marquee That's true. matchup. The flexibility, I think, is a good point, that they probably won't have quite as much, although I still hope the G5s kind of do what Coastal and BYU did at some points where they're like, hey, like let's schedule a game a year in advance where we know we're both going to be good and make it happen. So I think that would benefit the G5 a ton. But, yeah, I get your point that there's, you know, you've probably got a few Big Ten teams that are, are typically, or maybe even a Pac-12 team or two, that if they play a full season, they're a little bit better. Wisconsin was riddled by COVID. Um, and, like, Washington is normally a solid Pac-12 yeah.
0: team. Oregon normally makes some noise. You've USC, got some teams, yeah. So, that's just my – like, there were a lot of teams out of the spotlight for a while that gave the spotlight to these other teams who, who then took it and didn't give it back when these other schools got
1: back. Going. Yeah, and I think last year, kind of going off of, of your point, last year the highest-ranked group of five from what I'm seeing at the end of the season was Memphis at 17. So, there wasn't a coastal – and you know at the 12 or whatever they were i think i'm looking at like ap so i don't know if that differed from the playoff committee or whatever but i think there's there's some opportunity it would be fun if JMU made the leap obviously it's just sort of a hypothetical situation i think we're both sort of in the same two or three years camp in terms of how long it would take them to contend in one of the g5s or break into the top 25 yeah i think aac probably is more so four years but
0: do you go if some belt calls do you answer the phone and do you go this is a really good question. This is, I think, the... after what we've well, seen in... out of App State, Coastal, like all that. I think the Sun Belt's another one that's that that's viable to go to. I think C you... is the only one you hang up on. Okay,
1: here's my question back to you. Would you? Is this in football only? No, this is everything. Everything. I think it's pretty much. I think it's really similar. To be honest with you, to the CAA. I think the football right now looks pretty hot. Like it's doing a good job. I think they've done a nice job overall basketball wise it's a pretty weak league i don't know about like baseball and and softball and that stuff i think louisiana lafayette actually is one of the better softball teams yeah um, in the country so that would actually be kind of fascinating but the other ones my issue here my issue here is they've got the i think it's i think they say east and west or something um you've got the one division is coastal app state georgia state georgia southern and troy that one makes sense that yeah. one, there's no one in there. Like, even the Georgias, there's a decent JMU contingent, like, in Georgia in terms of alumni and stuff. And Georgia State was a CAA school, if I'm not mistaken. I think that sounds right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, you've got some connections there. Obviously, Coastal and App State would be sweet. They're pretty local, um, or at least decently local. And we go to so Myrtle that, Beach and have ourselves a time down there in Coastal. That'd be a ton of fun. The other problem is the other division where you've got Louisiana Lafayette, South Alabama, Texas State, Arkansas State, and Louisiana Monroe. That one doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So that's why I think you've got to maybe keep a little hope that, um, you know, you could play or have a new league sort of develop with Appalachian State and and some of these other schools, Old Dominion, maybe you could form something there that could be a really good group of five um, or whatever. I don't know if it would still be group of five. I don't know how all of that would work. But I think the Sun Belt's interesting. You could make a case that the, like, Louisiana Lafayette, South Alabama. I guess they're, I think they dropped a the lot. But anyway, Louisiana, South Alabama, Texas State, Arkansas State. Not too, I don't know the exact mileage, but not drastically different than going to like Maine or Albany. Yeah. So it's I mean, you're just going south. Um it's just I don't know, you're losing out on William and Mary um and Richmond at least in conference play. William and Mary and Richmond and and elon and some of these sort of delaware towson right those local reason regionalized games that make sense to play like arkansas state and to play south alabama i don't know if that makes any sense so that's the issue the good side i guess would be your division would be sick if you were in that you know coastal lane so last question on it if
0: the Sun Belt calls and offers you a spot your your athletic director of James Madison University, Sunbelt calls. They say, we want you. Are you
1: going? I think I would. I think I would. I think I would take it. Just because you could um, You could still schedule some of those regional FCS rivalries, like in non-conference games, you'd have more relevant games in the football season, I think. And that positions you, in my opinion, if the AAC ever tries to add more people or um, there's more alignment, like realignment, I think you're better positioned in the Sun Belt than you were from the FCS. It's a lot easier to move up from FBS to a higher FBS than it is to move from the FCS to, you know, something like that. Here's a crazy one. Here's my thinking. Mm -hmm.
0: A-10 calls once basketballs. You stay CAA
1: football. You go A-10 everything else. I would also probably take that, to be honest with you. I just just wish the football program was – more relevant than they are not that they aren't relevant i think jmu fans though make themselves out to be more relevant than they are you know what i mean like i think jmu fans are like oh people know us it's like no like on the bottom line on espn it says james mad like nobody knows anything about you you play your games on flow football so that's <laughs> that's my gripe is like no one actually knows anything they're not nearly as important as they are i mean you look at mike houston like didn't even get the chance to sniff the north carolina job and we all There are a lot of people who thought, you know, oh, of course he's qualified and said he's going to ECU. So I don't know. There's a chain of command.
0: So if you want to read Bennett's full article, head on over to www.jmusportsnews.com. You can check out his full article, something else he wrote at the beginning of December. We have a couple evergreen articles on there, um, like what's the best CAA mascot and some superlatives for him. And who's the greatest JMU athlete? We wrote a while back. That's under big picture. So head on over to www.jmusportsnews.com. And speaking of JMU's greatest athletes, I think it's time to talk about JMU's greatest secondary players, greatest defensive backs. I had a tweet that, uh, that uh, made some JMU fans mad.
1: Yes, you did. So I was looking at – somebody commented something hilarious in the – In the article. Anyway, yes, you tell us about this tweet here that that angered everyone. You were uh, watching Monday Night Football, enjoying yourself. Yeah, Dean Marlowe lays out Cam Newton. Good
0: sack. Hits the tight end. Tight end leaks out. He sheds the block. Goes to Cam. Hits him on the blind side. Boom. Big hit. I just... Dean Marlowe, the first in JMU's long line of great defensive backs. A little tongue-in-cheek because... the long line isn't true it's Dean Raven Jimmy so yep. that was just kind of tongue-in-cheek but I mean it's pretty cool that an FCS school has three
1: defensive backs in the
0: league yeah but then from there things just escalated they really escalated Jack
1: and uh deservedly so I mean you're missing out on some dudes
0: yeah Ron Atkins Tony Lazat, um Tony Booth Taylor Reynolds uh Jordan Brown um okay. <laughs> let's just name every defensive back that's ever touched the field of James Madison well, I thought it was funny because
1: Tony Lazat,
0: I was a name I did not know. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad the sports blog guys brought him yes. up. Like he is he's a name that deserves to be brought up. Six foot, two hundred pounder, um, really great four year starter. He led the lead he led the team in tackles, I think three of his four years, and the year he didn't, he was second on the team. He was a really good player. Um And I'm glad the sports blog guys brought him up and we could have a discussion about that. But some other people just started throwing out names. And I was like, every defensive (laughs) back that played is
1: not the best. It was very interesting because Tony Lazat, I think he was a four-time All-American, right? This guy's a superstar player. Yeah. Really, really good. On a national championship team. Really good player. So I think worth mentioning for sure. um, And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like from your tweet, you were more, um, you didn't explicitly say this, but it was more of like an NFL thing just because it was Marlowe making a sack on Monday Night Football. So it was more of like Marlowe started the SEC, like a DBU, JMU guys going to the league kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Like Marlowe kind of paved the way for everyone. And
0: I'm not trying to slight any other JMU defensive back, but also like the NFL is a good benchmark to, to grade someone on their success. Like people saying that all these other guys just didn't get their opportunity. If I remember correctly, Taylor Reynolds got a shot with the Atlanta Falcons. Tony Booth, I think was drafted by the Panthers and never saw the field. Like these guys had their opportunities. Dean Marlowe was a practice squad player for, I think two, three years. He was in Carolina, bounced around to Buffalo. Um, he had his opportunities and he made the most of them. Jimmy Moreland was a seventh round pick. He, he worked his tail off and he showed out in training camp and got one of the last roster spots. And now he's a starting nickel corner. Raven Green has started one game, has appeared in 20 throughout his season, been kind of plagued uh, by injuries. But he was another guy, an undrafted free agent who just showed out. Like people in the, the, the comments and the mentions were saying that NFL isn't the end all be all. And I was like, no, it kind of is. Like, no offense to Tony Lazat. Like, I, I, he was a great four year starter at James Madison. But also, at the same time, Dean Marlowe had very similar stats to him, and he's now in the NFL.
1: I will say he had a much better career in college, I think, than Marlowe and even Raven Green. I think Jimmy's got a little more of a case. But even then, like four-time All-American, like Lazat's college playing days, to me, were significantly better than what the other three did.
0: I wouldn't say significantly. Marlowe was a pretty good, like I was looking I didn't really know. Stats, what
1: are his stats?
0: Marlowe was like all CAA. He was one of the only underclassmen on all CAA. He started like all games that he could. I, I think he was pretty good. He four time all CAA. He was pretty 40 good to 49 preseason, all American one of three freshmen to earn all CAA award uh, accolades in 2011 Um 326 tackles, 12 picks, 13 and a half tackles for loss, 30 pass defense. He was a good player. Marlo was a I good player. Lazat I mean, was probably a better JMU player, but you factor in Marlo's NFL career.
1: But I wasn't trying to slight anyone. Was the thing? I was just like, yeah. I guess you could make a you could make a case that that Marlo had a pretty similar career. To be honest with you, 12 interceptions is a ton. So that's five more than Lazat. You've got, he was a tackles machine, though. Well, Lazat also,
0: in, in Lazat's defense, from the stuff I was reading about him, he seemed to be more of like a run
1: stopping. Yes, yes. So like in the box. Yes. So where had, four, had more of a safety that's over the top. 416 tackles. So that's more than, but Marlowe had 96 tackles his last season, which was probably due to the Withers defense where everyone gets to the secondary. Um but no I mean he he did play really well so I will I will backtrack a little bit there. I didn't realize his stats were that good. Come on man. So he's he's not significantly worse in terms of college. He's probably a better bass defender and he's made it to the league. So I think if you're talking about like yeah, you can make a case for that. Jimmy, I remember Jimmy's career was not so sorry, I got to look up Raven Green cuz Raven I was kind of shocked and made it to the Okay, never mind. I realized he had, he had 14 team picks because of that last season. I forgot his 2017 was so nuts. If while you're looking
0: up Raven and Jimmy stuff, I also just want to say like for 2016, Lazat probably did like start the groundwork of it and and yeah. help pave the way. Like he he put he laid the foundation that Raven, Jimmy, and Dean then
1: built the house upon. Um, I do. I will. I don't know how much credit I give. I, <laughs> this is, I've just learned about Tony Lozop in the last 24 hours, by the way. But, <laughs> Same, which is great. Like, that's another part that I really liked about yeah. this, like from the fact
0: of like the sports blog guys enlightening me. The other people calling it ridiculous and like attacking the tweet was kind of weird because I wasn't attacking anyone. I was just trying to compliment JMU's secondary in the last 10 years. He did go back and coach,
1: I guess, a little bit at JMU. So maybe yeah, that, now he's a high school coach, I believe. But it kind of, I just, I don't know how much credit I'm willing to give him for paving the way. Like he played in what? He ended in t- 2007, I think was his last year. Is that right? Yeah. But Marlo, when did Marlo come? 2013 is his first year. There's a six year gap. I don't know. If Marlo's him... first year is 2010. I'm looking at Raven green. Okay. So there's 2011, <laughs> 2011, 2010. Okay. Well, he was 2010, registered in 2010. He didn't play in 2010. Come I don't on, know. Man, keep up. Let's like, go. Keep up. When there's a three-year gap, I don't know that it like, and I don't know how much I'm like, what did he pave the way for? Like just a good defensive back. Yeah, and I, I I'll get. I mean, he was just a really good player, so he I'll was give really him some player. credit in the line of it. But I think Marlowe should get more credit because Marlow made it to the league in whatever year and actually did some good things, and then you have Green following it up and doing some good things. Like I think those two guys maybe helped a little bit more where people are like, oh. There are some JMU defensive backs and like Jim Moreland then got drafted, which I think can maybe help future guys. I don't know if they have, I thought Rashad might've been a guy, but he's uh, went undrafted. Um, so I don't know. It's just, I think that Lazat was obviously really good. I just I hesitate to give some of them like a ton of credit for like leading the path to future success. Like would they have, would they not have good defensive backs if Tony Lazat didn't exist? Yeah,
0: that that's very true. And, and where I kind of have the holdup from seeing everyone's mentions like throughout and just throwing names out, it kind of seemed more like (laughs) this guy played when I was there and I thought he was really good. Yeah. And it's like, well, he probably was
1: really good and you saw him firsthand. Yeah. There's definitely a little, uh, the Taylor Reynolds was not, he's not in the same class as some of these, he would played really well and did some really good things at JMU, but like, I don't know. The the last, like to make the NFL and consistently stick for multiple seasons, which the last you know three guys we're talking about have to me is a huge feather in the cap in terms of what they've accomplished and done. So I think that I, th- I, w- I will agree a little bit that Lazat having a really good career, four-time All-American, and then coming back on the coaching staff can definitely, definitely helped um, pave the way in some regards. I just think like what Marlowe and Green and Moreland have done to me is more influential in terms of even just recruiting, I think three guys from JMU in a league is a better pitch than having a four-time All-American. Yeah, and the average NFL career, I believe, is four years. Yeah.
0: And Marlowe is past that, which is amazing. Raven's coming up on that, and Jimmy's <laughs> two away from hitting that mark. And Jimmy looks like he's there for a while. Um, Raven, I think he's got a couple more. Like, I hope he sticks, but Raven just has had some injury problems, which – Makes me hesitant. But, I mean, they all are, are going to probably stick around the NFL for four, five, six, seven, eight. Like, yeah, they're going to go past the average NFL lifespan, which is great for them. And, and yeah, a huge recruiting tool. And I think it perks up the ears of scouts and teams that kind of like I think uh, it was the
1: uh, – I don't remember. The Beneducci effect where Ben got in and now Cole and Gage are likely first-round picks. That's what I was thinking, but that's not where I was going. Mm. Well, I do think DeNucci making the league just helps in general. But I do, and starting out. at Sunday night football game. Yeah, I'm interested to see the future line of JMU quarterbacks and kind of where they go in that direction. Because I think Cole is more of an NFL guy than Gage would be. I don't know if any, if either of them are actually NFL guys. No. Um, but <laughs> hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to the. The Cole Johnson NFL guy route. If he starts in the spring, look out. Six right. five, cannon arm. I'll hype well, myself up. I'll hype myself up for that.
0: Okay, you have fun with that. I'll hype myself up from Gage. I'll be on the Gage train. Um, so that's it for football. So yes. if you want to turn off the podcast now, we don't blame you.
1: Half of you do. So.
0: <laughs> um, and from there, we're moving into some CAA previews: men's basketball, women's basketball. I just want to quickly hit on this VCU game. Oh, yes, yes. I just want to say it was a great game. Like, it was fun to see. I think what makes me excited about JMU basketball, men's basketball this season, is in the row era when the offense stunk, the defense normally stunk right behind it. Like, what happened on one end of the court impacted the other end of the court. With Byington, that's not the case at all. There are two things. I don't know why you're giving me that, because they shut – granted, VCU was a little – was a little bad there near the end but the defense still stepped up strapped down and then the offense helped bring them back fell short of the comeback but i liked what i saw going up against vcu which is perennially
1: perennial, per, perennially a solid a10 team fair all fair points my only thing is that they played six times one of the times was against Limestone University. One of the times was against Alice Lloyd. I have no idea what this team is. I have no idea what a Mark Byington JMU looks like because I haven't seen him.
0: <laughs> well, isn't that what he, he said at his O'Neill's press conference or something where he was like, we ha- I don't know what this team is because we haven't played consistently. Someone, we haven't practiced consistently.
1: Someone asked him for a grade and he said incomplete. <laughs> It's one of those incomplete grades we get, and it's um, not enough information to be able to make a make a, a decision on it.
0: Um, you know, I, I I do feel like every time we're about to stop, I think we're about to get going, and um, I felt that way going into our first practice this year. Um, I, I thought
1: we had a really good preseason. We're going to our first practice, and and then we get shut down for 17 days, and then we come back, and you know, we're about to play Maryland, and
0: you know, I thought we played really good against Radford. We were starting to get some things, learn some things and, and then shut down for 11 days. Um, so, and, and now we just, you know, we're playing pretty good against VCU. And I, I think, you know, we're starting to learn, start to get it. And then and now we had another another break. So um, at some point we just got to get in a rhythm. And at
1: some point we got to have continual practice and continual games, and then we'll see where we are. So, like, they just haven't played enough for me to actually give any. And this is where I'm going to go down. You're going to have to cheer me up here. I'm going to go down a really negative rabbit hole. Towson's not playing Iona because of a positive COVID-19 test was reported today. Um, Jamie's supposed to open with Towson on Sunday and then play them again on Tuesday. I don't see either of those games happening. Would be shocked based on how the protocols work, where it typically requires at least a week-long pause. So, I think Towson's going to be out of action I don't know, they're going to have to try to scramble and reschedule someone. There will probably be a different, CA postponement. Maybe they'll just replace them. That's what it sort of seems like. Do a flip or something. But, yeah, man, I'm getting a little disappointed. They barely <laughs> played. Like, And when they do play, they're playing Alice, Lloyd, and Limestone. I enjoyed watching parts of the VCU game. They made a late comeback. You only going- watch parts. I don't think you watch.
0: Like, <laughs> we were texting. <laughs> That's just so know. everyone is aware how this game is happening. I'm texting Bennett throughout it, and he's like, this, this team's trash. They're trash. And then I think he turns it on with two minutes left, and he's like, I'm sold. This team's going to win the national championship. They're coming I back. Didn't,
1: I barely watched any of the game. I'll admit this. I, went, I watched – UVA played before. I watched a little bit in the first half, and then I went to a grocery store to go pick up some stuff. So, did that, and then went out and went shopping. I was – I don't know. I mean, like, I'm impressed with that. Matt Lewis is putting up some crazy numbers. I need to, like, re those up, dude. Like this, 61% stupid. from inside
0: the arc, which is, yes. what, top 10 in the league among all qualified guards?
1: So you have to get more specific with the 61%. <laughs> so it's, like, for someone averaging 21 points, ask a guard to also shoot 60% from inside the arc. I think he's also averaging, like, 5 points, 5 assists. Like, whatever those are, it's, like, he's one of, like, 3 in the country. Who's doing that so he needs to get the three point percentage up i was one of six against vcu and the, the teams kind of struggled from three all year unless your and name is Michael christmas we want to get there unless your name is michael christmas who deserves more minutes
0: hey michael christmas came on big in the
1: vcu game that's what here's what i'll say about the Byington era give michael christmas minutes because the lou Rowe era got this great recruit and he's trying to like save his job and he plays michael christmas for like two minutes a game like what
0: are you doing? <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> doing?
1: from the way it seemed like, it seems like Christmas was kind
0: of coming back from. He was quarantined for a while. Yeah. He was kind of getting back to game shape and I think yes. he's finally there. And I so, think he's going to start getting more minutes.
1: Okay. So he played three minutes against Radford, four minutes against East Carolina, obviously coming back. Right. Um, although I guess not really. Cause the East Carolina gap was 20 days, but I guess, was that for them? I can't, JMU paused because of its own issue, right? Yeah. So I mean, you shut down again. So he was shut down again. So he's been shut down a lot. Uh, But then he goes, East Carolina plays four minutes. Alice Lloyd, 19 minutes, 12 points, Um, four rebounds, it looks like, four boards. And then he goes against VCU, 19 minutes, 15 points, five rebounds. And a lot of those were in crunch time near the end. Like he came on late. He
0: is good. He helps spark the comeback. He is very good at basketball.
1: Yes. But I I don't know. I'm just – I'm getting upset because I want to see them play. I want to see them develop. And I've I've come to the expectation, whether it's fair or not, that this year is a wash for them. Like, I think they'll get better. I think they'll grow. But I think conference play is going to be an absolute mess. Like, I don't know how much they're going to be able to play. That's what I mean. Like, I think they're going to go pause, 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 and all these other teams are going to pause, and I think it's going to be just a complete
0: shit show. It's just wild because – Okay, so right now, looking at this schedule, they're going to play Towson. Well, are not going to play
1: Towson, though. <laughs> well, no,
0: I'm going to
1: – Sorry. I have, I, I have a point to make on
0: this. <laughs> so the schedule as of 1229, as of December 29th at 12.09 p.m., Yeah, they're slated to play Towson, then UNCW, Elon, Northeastern, College of Charleston, William & Mary, Hofstra, Delaware, then Drexel.
1: It's everybody, right?
0: Yes. When we're looking back at this in – Two months when season. CAA play is wrapping up.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: See, so yeah, fingers crossed. None of the this there. I, I will predict two of these weekends will be the same.
1: Yeah, it's gonna. Like, I just think it's gonna be kind of a mess.
0: Like Towson is not gonna play, so January third and fifth are gone. But I wouldn't be surprised if another CAA team got it, and then their weekend this weekend is canceled. And so then, like, so say Elon's Elon's team that they're gonna. Play this weekend, say they get COVID, and then Elon's left without an opponent. Then I wouldn't be surprised if JMU and Elon then meet this weekend upcoming. Like it's yes, going to be this- so
1: weird. Coaching staffs are going to have 12 hours to game plan. It's going to just be a complete mess. And it's like, it's wild to me. And Mark bynton was saying this at the O'Neill's Grill press conference. is like he thought they did a really good job in preseason. And then going into their first official practice, they had to pause. And then he thought they were doing really well after the Radford game. They're starting <laughs> to figure some things out. And then they had to pause. And he's like, and now we're kind of getting things going a little bit. I thought we did a good job fighting against the East uh, VCU, excuse me. Um, and then they had to pause, not for COVID, but because they went home for Christmas and they're, you know, over a week between games and we'll see what the hell happens with the Towson matchup. So it's like, they've gone through six pauses and it's been <laughs> six games. They haven't actually done six pauses. It's like three, but I'm getting frustrated. Cause like, I think this team needs to develop and there's just nothing you can do to control like what's going to happen with COVID and how it affects other teams. Like you can't prevent Towson from getting COVID. So just really frustrating because I think they need to develop and they've had almost no chances to develop. And also like VCU, if Vado Morris plays in that game, he's averaging about 15 a game. We would have beaten him by 15. That's how it works. (laughs) I hate those arguments. Had to make it.
0: You know what makes me upset?
1: What makes you upset?
0: I bought a year of flow on November 29th. I've not using? used flow since.
1: Oh my God. Well, you're going to use it in conference play.
0: Yeah. If they actually play the games, man. So, uh, I mean, we kind of gave our weird CA recap. We don't think that this season is going to be anything what it says on paper right now.
1: We don't I even hope. know how it's
0: going to start, but I yeah. just want to know where
1: do you think they finish if the CAA can finish their season? Like the middle of the road. Like I was tell- texting you earlier, this league um, it sucks. Like, see, men's basketball is terrible. Yes. Um, UNCW has done a couple of nice things. Elon's three and one. Haven't looked at their schedule. Hofstra beat Richmond. I still think Hofstra's probably the team to beat. Maybe just because I think they're well coached. Yeah. Um, win over Richmond's really good for them. So interested to see how it develops. I will just say, middle of the pack. I don't think they're the worst team in the league. I don't know that they're the best team, but there's no game. And we've said this every time we've had a podcast. There's no game they should go into like, wow, we have no chance of winning. They should have a chance to win pretty much every game as long as they they play well. But I'm just hoping they can get to the conference tournament with a little bit of a rhythm, having played games. If they can finish the season, like just playing all of the games or most of the games, fine. Like, I'll take that. You get the vaccine rolled out. Maybe practices in the offseason are a little more fluid where you're actually able to get in there and – I guess less fluid – get in there and do them and and, um, go through it. I just – I want to see them play. Ah! Yeah, I've said it a couple times
0: on the podcast and text. I think the winner of the CAA this year could have six losses. Well, yeah, because we've talked, too, about the, it's those back-to-backs. Like, anything's possible when you're playing yeah. two games in two days. Like, anything's possible. <sighs> it's going to be a weird CAA season for I'm men's basketball. I'm to frustrated by it, man. you want to you move over to something that no, might frustrate you more or
1: less? Women's basketball is less frustration because I know what they have. Like, I know they're good, and they're going to be good in, like, two years. They're going to be good next year. Next year. But But two years are going to be really good. Four and three. Give me your breakdown of them. Because you you listen to Cojo and you love Cojo. So just give me your Cojo. Cojo, as we know, on the hot seat. (laughs) Just kidding. Cojo basically said he's very open. He was like, oh, we're four and three. And um, we expected to be four and three. He thought Virginia might be better when he scheduled it, I think, and then Buffalo might be worse.
0: you're just looking at the team itself, I'd say C+. I I, I think we're, um, we've got some work to do in areas that are usually the standard here. Um, And, you know, realistically, if you look at four and three, um, that was a reality. Um, I thought if Virginia was a better team, you pencil in maybe another loss over there. Um, Instead, it was Buffalo instead of them. So i'm not the the record i'm not i'm not necessarily like surprised or blown away you know i would have been blown away if we were seven hell right now
1: so he kind of thought those might have been flipped but whatever he kind of expected a four and three west virginia and maryland um both better than jm neal it's not much of a surprise right they're both power five teams that are respectable maryland's ranked um, and Jamie's young, so they've got a long way to go. But I think playing West Virginia and Maryland, and he actually said this, which I is part of why I love him. He was like, the difference in talent is going to be something that I think the players enjoy going from West Virginia to Maryland to see a play like is just worse. Like, so <laughs> they're going to play better because they're playing – against worst players what a way weird. to put it
0: CAA sucks so they're gonna love going up against a top,
1: <laughs> top big 10 team he didn't say it quite like that but he was also he also said last year going into conference play he thought his team could go 18 and 0 and he says this year he's not expecting an undefeated conference he thinks it's gonna be hard with the back-to-backs he also thinks his team is young so i think there are gonna be losses for this team kind of like the man i just hope they can play as much as possible and and get through the games um they're young they're talented. They've been blown out twice by Power 5 teams. they are <laughs> blown out by Buffalo, um, at least in the first half. So they've got a long way to go, but for them, this year is all about learning and growth. And I don't think the conference is that good. So learning and growth, I think you look at them in two months and yeah, they're going to have a good chance to win the conference. Love it. And Coach O predicted four and three non-conference. Yeah, it was pretty, he said it, it didn't surprise him at all. So. Certainly makes sense. I think Maryland was like a late addition, so I don't know that he knew that there would be seven games originally. But Yeah, and men's basketball almost out of Kentucky, so that was an unnecessary tease. I hated that tweet. (laughs) That made me so mad. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Bindon said it. He says he has a really close friend who works at Kentucky and was like, hey, want to play on the 30th? And the JMU doctors were like, no, like you have to quarantine when you come back. (laughs) Could you?
0: Here's the thing. I think, Jame, you could win that game. The way Kentucky is so bad this year.
1: Kentucky sucks. It would have been awesome. But he was kind of joking, too. He's like, yeah, I think Kentucky at one and six are trying to get some games. Like, <laughs> Kind of like they think they can beat us. They want to play us pretty bad so they can get win number two. And they had their uh, they had an SEC game for the 29th. Kentucky did um, postpone. So, I don't know if they're able to – they then play on the second – so I think that might keep them. But if if Kentucky wants to play on New Year's or something, make it happen, Jamie. Does not seem like it's going to play Towson, barring what would basically be a breach of COVID protocols, right? There's no way they can play them. Five four zero.
0: Excuse me. I don't know where that yawn came from. Five four zero five six eight. I don't know the last four digits, but you can figure that out, Kentucky, if you're listening. Give that number a call and Man, make I it just happen. Hope,
1: I just want to watch them play basketball.
0: Before we we get all sad. I'm sad already. <laughs> do you think JMU wins the CAA regular women's, season?
1: The women's team? Yeah. Yeah. I don't – if you put a gun to my head and told me to name a CAA player on a women's basketball team outside of JMU, could I do it? No. No, I could not. But I don't think they're going to be better than uh, CAA women's basketball. Google type, 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 type. Uh, I don't think they'll be better than JMU. I really like the JMU team and I think if the CA is what it is most seasons, I uh, I like their chances. Yeah. Towson's scrappy, but I could be wrong. Delaware is three and one, Towson's five and two, uh, Drexel's two and one, everybody else has at least two losses. So take that for what it's worth. I think Towson will be decent, but yeah, I think JMU's they're the preseason favorite. They've shown me nothing that would make me change my mind. Um, I'm excited to see what they do this year. I'm excited to see what they do next year in the AAC. And, uh, honestly, they should be in the ACC, huh? What do you think about that? All right, anything else you want to add? <laughs> no, I'm pretty devastated by the basketball stuff, so.
0: Kentucky, give us a call, please.
1: Let's but, them play a game, man.
0: But to wrap this all up, well Bennett gets sad in his Charlottesville apartment on vacation, <laughs> Give us a – check out uh, Bennett's article about yes. JMU going to the FBS, how long it would take. It's, it's all right. right. Basketball, I mean, all it's, right it's, basketball
1: previews today.
0: It's an all right article. Bennett's not the best writer. It's not like he's the beat writer for UVA or anything like that.
1: <laughs> the number um, one beat writer in the world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so go ahead and check that out at JMUSportsNews.com. If you have any ideas on what we can change our name to, Let us know on Twitter. Oh, yeah. That's at JMU Sports News. If you're tired of just listening to the podcast and you want to watch us because our faces are beautiful, I don't know. (laughs) Um, All podcasts are also available on Facebook Watch over on JMU Sports News Facebook. Just type that in in the search bar on Facebook and we'll pop up and you can go over to the videos tab and check us out. The JMU Sports News podcast on Facebook Watch. Anything else I'm missing? Plugging? I don't think so. For Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. We hope JMU schedules Kentucky. And Dean Marlowe is the first in the long line of great JMU defensive backs that have made it to the NFL.
1: See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe.